monk or nun goes bonkers, uh, whatever they do is not considered an offense. <laughs> so if you're wondering whether uh, Heather is still an anagorica, she still is definitely an anagorica, and you can tell her that Aden Sumedho said that. He, she's in no way lost her anagorica ship, even though she eats and has to eat in the evening and so forth. This is just this uh, expedient measures to take care of particular problems and whatever she does, even if she murders one of the nuns, <coughs> it's still not <laughs> <laughs> Same with the bhikkhu. If bhikkhu goes crazy and <clears throat> commits offenses against the Vinay and all that. Or, uh, he's, not, he's not considered uh, having, uh, <clears throat> you know, like even if brachika or disrobing offenses or sangadesis offenses, whatever, they're not, they're not considered offenses when they're, say, in that state. Because <clears throat> to to offend, to, to do an offense against the Vinaya, you have to do it quite intentionally. And uh, and in the state of, say, insanity or when you're out of control, then there's no offense. So you still remind, you know, if she worries or, or feels she's you know, maybe not an anagaric anymore. <laughs> Still <in. coughs> Unless she wants to, you know, wants to leave, wants to disrobe, or that, that would that'd be up to her. Some of you frighten me sometimes because the, the kind of legalistic members of the Sangha that think, well, she's eating in the evening, therefore she's not an anagaric anymore. <laughs> I'm more terrified of that mind than the crazy one. <laughs> the kind of mind that follows rules and not and has no heart. <laughs> There's no compassion. Mm -hmm. Justice without mercy.
In fact, you can't disrobe someone while they're in that state. You have to wait until they're out of it. So. Second instance, they just wrote themselves, and afterwards, um, it would then consider they just wrote themselves in a state of insanity. Does that mean they can rewrote with the same punters? <laughs> I wouldn't consider disrobing when you're insane as disrobing. <coughs> Because you say anything, I mean, like shit, like Heather will say, you know, whatever comes into her mind, and you're not, you can't, that a decision made in that state is not, you know, is not a, to be regarded as a, something to go by, to trust. You know? then the legal legalistic problems come in when they say, well maybe where, when anybody kills anyone they're insane at the time. <laughs> but this is where, where you, you uh, like with Heather, her, obviously she's out of control, there's no way of, of uh, judging a situation or, or responding to it in, uh, in any kind of uh, reasonable way. talking in terms of months. Uh, people were hoping it would be one of these kind of quick wars, you kind of dive in and zap them and get out and they surrender, but Saddam Hussein is not one to give up easily. <coughs> He's a real, real kind of uh, <coughs> Almost uh, stereotype dictator tyrant. <coughs> par with kind of Hitler, and so he's he's not he's not one that you can kind of reason things out with, and and um, who reacts in kind of ways predictable ways. 
set them on fire and they have all this uh, smoke screen, huge billows of black smoke. Is that just to stop the aircraft, or do you actually just kind of set aside the aerosol? I think it's uh, to have a smoke screen to move the thunder. They didn't. They haven't done it uh, last night. They didn't. Any of these Patriot rockets working? Yes, they're very effective. <coughs> According to the news. <coughs> Don't know how much of you know. How much of it? I mean, it. They do, do seem to. Uh, like the the ones that the the scud missiles that have been launched over Saudi Arabia all, none of them have uh, I mean all of them have been I think except one but it landed out in the desert didn't cause any damage but all the rest have been uh, destroyed in the air by these patriot <coughs> missiles <coughs> It's kind of a fantastic war, you know, fighting in, in the air, missiles against missiles. <coughs> This morning, your conceptions about meta to an understanding how not indulging in an adverse reaction. And I just intend to myself just not to allow any kind of adverse reaction. But I see that your meta is actually allowing, acknowledging the full sense of outrage, but then let it go. Which <laughs> is quite different. To really kind of be willing to, to bear the whole of the, the horror and the anger and the, <coughs> and the rest of it that comes up in relation to something like that. Right. <laughs> it tends to just not want to know about this sort of feeling. <laughs> That's where then that, that meta with your own feeling. <coughs> To bear with the with the uh, anger or despair, or whatever it is. 
you have what I would regard as practical metta. To endure things that seem unendurable, like some of those emotions seem unendurable. I can't, you know, I can't stand it and I'm fed up, I can't. But then that's the screaming mind. But we can, we can endure. We can bear and endure what we think we can't. That's the wonder of our, that's the, gives us strength too when we can do that. But we really appreciate that. Because if you believe what your mind says, conditioned mind will say, oh, I can't stand it anymore, I've had enough. But we can stand it. <laughs> and so we, we learn how to stand things, how to bear with things. In uh, some of, in uh, Thailand, oftentimes they have these pictures in uh, kind of uh, pop art in uh, temples <coughs> where uh, they'll show the hell realms and different realms of existence, uh, different <coughs> levels of hell and the kind of gory details of, of uh, because something about hell and torture and and that is that excites the human mind. They have, like, for adulterers, you know, people, men and women who are, who are naked, they're climbing up trees with spikes on the trees. They're trying to get away from these barking, these vicious dogs. And the dogs at their heels are trying to climb up these trees with, with spikes sticking out of the tree, and there's blood pouring down their bodies. And, uh, punishments for adultery or for telling lies and and they have a different uh, telling lies they pull your tongue out and you these kind of huge kind of hell hell beans you know tongs pulling somebody's tongue out hmm. pouring hot molten Molten lead down their throats. That's what happens if you tell lies. <laughs> but in all these, there's the, there's only, and they have different, like there's the realms of the devadas and the, so for the, 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 uh, the Abhaya Pumi realms, which are the lower realms, Pretas, Ghost, Animal realms. And then the, the Abhaya, and then the, the <coughs> realms of pleasure and beauty, the Deva realm. Brahma is radiant, radiant realm. But they always have a, a Buddha in every one of these realms. So that there's this sense of the Buddha is always there in these realms, aware of it, you know. And, with and and they have the proper proper antidotes to the problem. So in the preta realms, where the 
where the uh, printers are these uh, like uh, hung hungry ghosts, these addicted beings with these enormous stomachs and these tiny little mouths, and these long necks, skinny long, skinny necks, and tiny little mouths like a eye of a needle, and then these huge gigantic stomachs, so there's always this sense of never getting enough, always having to get more. No matter how much you try to get into this little mouth, it will never fill up this enormous stomach. <laughs> so so the, the Buddha there has an elixir. He's carrying a, a, a vase of elixir to, to feed to these wretched creatures. And then in, um, in, the, in the hell realm, I think he, Buddha's carrying a sword or something. And, in uh, the animal realm, because the animal realm is the realm of stupidity, and he uh, has a book. And in the uh, Deva realms, he has a, a he's playing a harp or a lute. And in the human realm, he's carrying an alms bowl. So the alms bowl is the the uh, kind of symbol of the of the human realm. That what what we need, a kind of antidote to the human pride, uh, <coughs> stupidity, conceit that we have is a sense of dana, uh, giving and and receiving. But what what interests me is that this this sense of the Buddha witnessing. So, so like, like even in, when your minds go into uh, kind of obsessions or, or uh, anger and hatred and, and fears, jealousies, all this, then there's the Buddha there witnessing. You know, there's always a Buddha in every realm. So take that as another kind of uh, visualization. In, in regards to your own practice of what, whatever state you're experiencing, one pleasure or pain uh, or stupidity, there's the there's this Buddha that's there that knows. So that is the that is a kind of lovely, lovely reflection, and to be that uh, in the say now in the form of a samana you can actually, because of the kind of high moral position, the moral uh, uh, integrity of this life, you have the ability to witness these things, these feelings you have. Like even the hell realms, even your, your anger and uh, <coughs> rage can be, can be witnessed to as the Buddha <coughs> seeing the Dhamma. And that's, uh, that's like the Samana form is that with the alms bowl, this, this uh, humbling form of the alms mendicant, depending upon the generosity, kindness of other beings. Um, so this, and the the uh, sila is the, is the form for the human realm. The, the, the great human that we're, we're not really 
properly human unless we, we are moral, keeping the five precepts. So under that, then you say, whatever you experience uh, from, the, from the radiant Brahma realms to the, to the unmitigated Avicii hell is um, suffering, is to, is to feel, have this sense of being able to look at it for what it is, to bear it in its form, not to, not to run away, be frightened, or to suppress or to blame, but to observe the, the Dhamma of it. This is a condition that arises and, it, and, it's, and, it, and therefore having arisen it will cease. And then enduring its, its, its span till it ceases. Because the desire to get rid of it, to run away, is very strong. Or to believe it. Some of you like to wallow in misery. You're determined to be miserable. If anyone starts attacking your misery, you're going to really get angry. I can be miserable if I want. Sickness and death, these are what they call the Deva Dutas. The seminar, the man for the man, the religious practitioner, these are the, this is working on the intuitive level, these aren't, these aren't ideals for a society, or they aren't um, the facade of a society, one doesn't, <coughs> When you want to present your society, <coughs> say, as a, to, a, to a world, a presentation of yourself or your family, <coughs> now you, you want to have it look attractive and fit in with the, with the, the kind of mores and values and trends uh, that are plastered onto the surface, the facade. Old age, sickness, death is what actually is going on, isn't it? <clears throat> Behind all the makeup and the false teeth and the, the cloth hair and the beautiful clothes and the beautifully decorated house and the, the plastic smile, all this is somebody getting old. <laughs> These are the, the uh, and sickness. People feel very, uh, very uh, kind of offended by the idea of cancer and that uh, it's not fair and that there should be these diseases. Because that they don't fit into the to the to the facade or the image of happiness and, and the ideal of how things should be, and that the the 
the world we create, the ideal world, doesn't have a cancer in it, or AIDS, or anything like that. These are, these are invasions. So we tend to just be averse to old age, sickness, death. But it's, it's, these are the, this is what's happening to us, isn't it? We're, we're all getting old. Even though we, in the West we, we don't like to admit it, that's what we do. Right now, every one of us is getting older. And uh, we, we say, oh, you're looking younger. But in a way, that's just saying, you're, you know, you're really getting older. <laughs> Death is, uh, is, is a mystery, isn't it? It, it doesn't fit into the, to the illusion of a world. A pretty world where everybody's had the Jehovah's Witness paradise, the soda water fountain, the lemonade springs, the bluebirds singing in the trees. <coughs> the ice cream <coughs> mountain. And all of that, it's a fairyland, doesn't have, uh, doesn't have cancer in it, doesn't have death. So intuition, but intuitively we all know that these, this is what's happening. If we, if, we t if we interpret old age sickness and death from the conditioned mind, then it's depressing, isn't it? When you, when you think you're getting old or you're sick and you're going to die, then it's from that conditioned mind, from the belief and attachment to, to the conditioning of the mind, then it gets depressed by it all. Because, as a, as a, because it's, it's destroyed the illusion, the fantasy world, the illusory world of life is wonderful and it's pretty and, and happy and everything's, everything's nice, everything's okay. You notice in the, like in paintings, sometimes they'll have these beautiful scenes where, you know, beautiful women and handsome men and pretty children and a kind of specter in the background, some kind of death head or skeleton. Or they, or the, uh, we're, we're, this, this form here, the, the Buddhist Samana, is a, is a archetype. Is a is a is a, on the it works on the intuitive plane. For those who want the pretty society, like Britain as a as a modern developed as a modern country a, a power affluent important country in the world, and then and uh, and one is attached to views and opinions about Britain and British culture and. All that. Then, this is a rather this the, the samana is a anachronism in the in the facade in the in the acceptable perceptions of a society. That's why your parents get so unnerved by your shaving your hair because you're you're. It's like 
it's like getting old or getting cancer or or dying, isn't it? It's 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 uh, reminding them of something. Some something in them is disturbed by it, and that that is because the the surface of life has been the illusoriness of life has been challenged in some way. Now we're not trying to, you know, I don't feel it my mission to go out and kind of go out challenge everybody. I'm not. I'm not into that type of behavior. I'm not a missionary or a rebel in the system, but uh, one one appreciates uh, working on on a more intuitive plane, mindfulness, and and learning to understand in the right way, so that even the way we talk, the way we communicate, will be within that spirit of Dharma rather than from the highly uh, personal or cultural conditioning of the mind. Here in Britain, there's the tendency, isn't it? It's a kind of cultural tendency to to put on the facade, to have this appearance that everything's all right, stiff upper lip, nothing is bothering me. That's a strong cultural uh, tendency instilled in, in British people in general, where they, in uh, the emotions, they're not are not are not allowed to kind of manifest very strongly considered improper not not uh, it's embarrassing for somebody to get emotional isn't it so that so that there's this tremendous kind of facade in, in this country of propriety <coughs> and everything is okay everything is all right stiff upper lip I can take it. <coughs> But then intuitively, we realize that that's not the way any of these people really are. Underneath is, you know, all kinds of confusions and discontentments and, and bewilderment, fears and desires. And you, you put on the face in public and say, and you know how to conduct yourself and say all the right things so that in the society you're, you're considered the normal and uh, suitable type of human being, and then, then if you're, uh, then you can go home and and uh, and uh, crash into a heap. If you can do that, or sometimes one just keeps going in this in this in these kind of straitjackets of propriety and conditioning until until something cracks. So I always like to think of mentally ill people as devadutas in that society. When the mentally ill people are, you know, they're screaming and they're 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 doing like you can see when Heather was high. It was a, she was she wasn't being proper about life, was she? 
she wasn't she wasn't putting <coughs> on the playing the game and presenting herself in a way that was acceptable. She was doing everything in the opposite way, unacceptable, untrustworthy, <coughs> erratic, impulsive, emotional. All these these mental states that we that we're very frightened of. <clears throat> Somebody's just operating on impulse. You can't trust them. Erratic behavior. They can do anything. And uh, then they tend to say what they're feeling or how they perceive things directly, where most of us covered up with polite, nice ways of or ignoring or very. In, in Britain, they're extremely skilled at saying things. In, in ways that uh, always uh, are very uh, kind of understated. So that we, there this doesn't sound like there's any feeling behind it. You know, somebody, did you, did you enjoy the concert the other night? It's quite good. Rather enjoyed it. Probably didn't like it at all. In American, that would mean I didn't like it. <laughs> That's why Americans get confused, because Americans are saying, "Wow, that was one of the best concerts I've ever heard, man." <laughs> and to a, a, a British person, that would mean like this kind of un, they're out of control. They kind of <laughs> <laughs> overpresent their case. <coughs> and these are this is conditioning only. It's not it, it recognize that that culture conditions us to react like you. It's, uh, it's difficult to, to change that, but you can, you can understand it and not make any, anything about it, not, not uh, make problems about it or misinterpret it. <coughs> the way we, we talk about ourselves or uh, the way we think, like now in, in, uh, in the States, there's a whole kind of jargon that's developed. It wasn't there when I lived in the States. So when I go back to the States and I go, I go to California and they all talk to me in this, in this silly way, you know, makes you creep. <laughs> <laughs> Nauseating, kind of. Everything's into, into a kind of psycho jargon of it. sounds silly to me, but, but then this is the way, this is the conditioning of the mind, that I guess, in the past 25 years. This is what, how people in California, the way, their vocabulary, the, the, the concepts they have are all that. Everything is sharing, isn't it? The, the Americans are just endlessly sharing everything. to share something with you, Bonte. Yeah, really sharing, because you get 
we never used to talk like that back in the early 60s. Never shared anything. <laughs> but it tends to, to make you think that you're doing something, you know, like one must share everything with everyone else. And many of these terms have their place, but then they tend to get uh, overused and, and, uh, and are kind of overdone. And we're sharing becomes just a a kind of hackneyed word rather than a, a suitable term for something that you do. And uh, the whole, uh, the whole, whole uh, modern uh, jargon is uh, in the, especially in the, amongst the Buddhists that I meet. <coughs> Sounds very strange sometimes. Relationships. We used to have affairs, and now everything is on this sense of relating. We're having, we're working out a relationship, and, and this is we're kind of something important is happening. We're, we're not we're in this to to kind of work out some kind of important relationship with each other. Well, sometimes that that's uh, we used to just enjoy having romantic affairs. <laughs> everything has to have this kind of super important doesn't it this kind of you can't just have a have a romantic affair <clears throat> that you've got to share and have an important heartfelt relationship there's only this this sense of of, of heaviness and, and intensity and it's it's overdone you know, if one feels it's false, it's not real, it's it's euphemistic, it's it's pretending, because one can always disguise <coughs> everything with these kind of high-minded terms and not really be aware of what you're really doing, how you might be just using somebody to have a good time with, and you're calling it sharing uh, love and having and working out your relationship, when actually all you're doing is <laughs> so it it can be a way of <laughs> it can be a way of, of just of being dishonest. <coughs> Partner, Dharma partners, yes, in the Buddhist world. <coughs> My Dharma partner. <laughs> that came out of the gay liberation. Really? My partner, instead of saying, she's my lover, or he's my lover, they say, my partner. And then it went into heterosexual. You know, the, the, your wife is your partner now. What's roommate? <laughs> <laughs> That's in college. Oh. <laughs> or flatmate, me. <laughs> Sometimes it'd be or flatmate. <laughs> now that that is a conditioning process, isn't it? But intuitively, one let's say, uh, on the intuitive level, one one mistrusts that. 
as maybe dishonest or a way of, of, uh, of not really admitting or really understanding what's happening. <coughs> because one, we, we like to think of, we like to present ourselves in, in, uh, in, you know, in, a, in a respectable and way in, in the society so that we need euphemisms to do that. So it's a cover, it's a cover-up, it's a pretense. Like when we when we go back to conventions, you know, like say marriage, then that is a, <clears throat> that has a, a purpose to it, doesn't it, for uh, raising a family, where a man and a woman decide to marry each other in order to um, procreate and establish suitable conditions for raising a family, rather than this kind of I mean working out our relationship with each other. <coughs> there's something very practical and necessary about a marriage where a relationship well, is always uh, the, increases this sense of me mine uh, <coughs> my relationship and I must uh, and even the ide- idealism of sharing can be uh, <coughs> still uh, another uh, kind of euphemism for saying of just you know being uh, people who say I want to share something with you, they want to tell you off sometimes let me share this with you, I think you're a rotten egg Just like in the Buddhist world, we say, remember, watch your mind, it used to be our way of saying, shut up. <laughs> and somebody, monk or nun, would say, I'm fed up, I don't want to, watch your mind. And say, shut up. Contemplate that just the, the to to really get to know the conditioning of the mind is conditioning. You can actually watch and, and listen and and, re, re, and and acknowledge acknowledge it as conditioning, not as a personal thought. We're not we're not we're not looking at, at this uh, uh, and, and making personal judgments about our conditioning. We're just recognizing. Conditioning as conditioning, which is, you know, both good and bad and indifferent. So, conditioning isn't necessarily bad, but it needs to be observed and acknowledged for what it is. So you're not you're not always kind of being confused by the conditioning of your mind, because that's what happens where you get very confused. Is you don't know the difference at all. You just you think that. The, the conditions and emotions and 
and uh, the grasping, the dunha, ubadana, power process is self, and is reality, is, 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 or is more real than, than it is. So the, in this, in, this is you're using intuition through mindfulness, your intuitive mind, with wisdom, starts developing. So intuition with wisdom rather than intuition with ignorance. Because sometimes you, you hear people, people quite intuitive people, uh, talking and yet uh, there, there's not a, it's, it's sometimes very uh, difficult to understand what they're saying because uh, of just the inability to express things without it sounding uh, very personal or very uh, kind of because of the, the way their minds condition the way they speak and tend to react uh, affects how they affects the, the, the language where with Dhamma language with this this uh, Buddha seeing the Dhamma this this, this whole pattern <coughs> this way of of uh, reflecting helps you to have perspective. You need you need to develop that perspective of seeing the object, of knowing that which arises ceases. You hear people complaining. They say, "Well, sometimes we we don't know how to say how we're really feeling, so we tend to complain about things." We can start say, "Oh, the the nuns and they don't, the monks and the lay people and and the English weather and the mind will go into those patterns of complaining." And yet, is that what what really is the problem? You know. The, that's where we need to listen to, to the way we tend to emotionally react to things. Because, like, like I found, um, just like if somebody criticizes me or blames me for something, my immediate reaction is to try to blame it on somebody else. Now that's, a, an, that's a reaction I have, emotional reaction. Or something goes wrong, something goes wrong, or the mistake is made. Whose fault is it? Is the my immediate reaction? <coughs> That's, so aware of that as a reaction, they really study that the tendency to say, okay, whose fault is it? Or or somebody uh, blames me for something, and then I then I I, I tend to want to blame them or 
Say, well, I, you, you, you were worse than that. It's your fault if you didn't, if you'd told me, if you'd given me the right information, if you'd done your bit, then that wouldn't have happened. It's your fault. And the kind of emotional reaction. Because one is emotionally, you know, programmed. To, that's the way I was conditioned to react from, uh, from my experience of life. That's the conditioned mind reacting. So I know that. I don't believe it anymore. Once you, once you investigate it and see it, you don't believe it. But I used to believe it all the time. So, but now, say, invest, on investigation, one sees it as merely a conditioning. So, so then you're, 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 you're more in touch with actually what the problem is of where maybe you didn't, maybe it is your fault, or maybe it's someone else's, but you're not, there isn't this sense of blaming, the kind of reactive blaming and trying to, to dump it all on something else, or, or to, to take it very personally, like, oh, I failed again, I uh, get become depressed and averse to oneself for not being perfect. This, this investigation of the conditioning of the mind is most, most important. To see it, whatever is subject to arising, subject to seizing. Remember, the way you think, your thought patterns are all conditioned. Your sense of yourself is conditioned. Into being a person, a type, a character, a quality is conditioned into you. Uh, cultural conditioning is here, well, the, say, the Americans, or the British, or the Europeans, or the Asians, these are the way we tend to re react or respond to life, is very, it can, is a strong cultural influence. When we look at Thai people, they, they, they react very differently up to many things than we do. It's not because they're, they're, they're different, ultimately, it means it's just culturally, there's a different conditioning process taking place. But it's still conditioning. It's conditioning. It's not ultimate reality. And that which is reflecting awareness, intuitive wisdom, that's where you have to put your trust. That's the refuge <coughs> and the way out of suffering. <coughs> You really, really, uh, in this retreat, try to try to get that perspective, to get away from just the reactive tendencies, the indulgence, the suppression, the the, the personality view, the the way we the 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 uh, reactive habits that we have can all be observed and seen as dhammas, then, then one more there's awareness of the empty mind, non-self, shunyata, anatta, viraka, niroda, nibbana. That, then you have perspective on, on the conditioned realm. <coughs> so in, in the English Word intuition helps us to 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 uh, say well, that's that's 
that's the mind, isn't it? But it's 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 the mind, uh, say, that isn't conditioned. It's not a condition of the mind, in other words. Where where the memory is a condition of the mind, or emotions a conditioning of the mind, uh, language, uh, thoughts are conditions of the mind. Feelings and thoughts, memories, ideas are conditions of the mind. Emotion is what that like feeling high or low or enthusiastic or bored. These are conditions of the mind. And by being mindful, then you're aware of the condition of the mind as a condition. And that's that's not that's not a condition. That which is aware of the condition is not a condition. Can't be aware of another condition. Contemplate that. Like your eyes can't see themselves. Your ears can't hear themselves. Your tongue can't taste itself. Your your nose can't smell itself. And so your 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 body can't know itself, can't feel itself, but you can you can be aware of feeling and perception. And so that is that is say in the, a thought can't observe another thought, can it? One thought can't can't contemplate another thought. You have to. To contemplate, you have to let go of thought. Because if you're attached to a thought, then you're stuck in that thought. You're you're fixed onto a onto a thing. But when you <coughs> let go of thought, then the mind is this way. It's mindful, receptive, reflective, sensitive. There's sensitivity. There's intelligence. There's clarity, wisdom. <coughs> 